Boy Scout and Eagle Scout, you've been camping plenty of times. Certainly. What's the most dangerous animal you have had a, uh, a, a, a close encounter with while you've been out in the bush? Um, uh, not, not very dangerous as far as I can remember. And, you know, don't sell yourself short. I know you've done a fair share of camping as well. Um, not, you know, you're not officially sanctioned as an Eagle Scout, but, you know. You've been in the woods a couple times. Um, yeah, I don't have the certificate or the neckerchief. Right. The neckerchief is key. The neckerchief tells you how much of a badass you are. Um, I did not encounter... I did not see it. All I can say is that I hung a bear bag one night and I heard I heard a bear pawing at a bear bag. But like, I didn't go out. Where was that? Uh, it would have been one of my trips to Colorado. So is that a, a brown bear out there then? Grizzly? Probably brown. Probably brown bear. Not, yeah. I think brown bears are like, they're they're rather, black brown bears, bears are grizzlies. Right. Uh, it was, it had to have been something less than that. I don't, well. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say brown. I, black bear is the one that's like least scary, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're all bears. Uh, black but, bears. Yeah, black bears live more um, east of where grizzlies. I mean, grizzlies. I think their their habitat is shrinking, and so like they live in the Rockies and mm-hmm. mostly in Canada now. I think, but black bears are kind of all over. Uh, in fact, we see them. There was one who like walked all the way across the state of Missouri a few years ago or something, and people were tracking it. He's trying to like raise money for something. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, the yeah, marching to Montgomery or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I've had my fair share of run-ins with with black bears. Um, you go up. To, I've been up to the Porcupine Mountains in uh, the UP of Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, where black bears are. They're they're kind of just like squirrels up there. Um, you you do have to you have to hang all your food, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because bears will just get into it. And in fact, um, at some of the more like populated campsites closer to one edge of the trail or the other, the bears just kind of do like nightly rounds to all the campgrounds looking for stuff that uh people have left out and so when you're up there with uh like i don't know like 12 year olds maybe 13 year olds uh, Mm -hmm. who are all stupid you have to be really clear with them about the fact that you have to be careful with food uh because you can't leave it out you can't take it into the tent with you because there are bears and if bears smell food they're going to go after it so you say this to them over and over you know hey uh you know, we're done with lunch. Make sure you put your wrappers into this bag and then we're going to throw it all away, you know, and make sure you don't, uh, well, one little idiot spilled, uh, jelly on my sleeping mat one time, uh, because I was letting him sit on it during lunch. Um, that was, I, I think I cleaned it off well enough. No bears came for that one, but in any case, you know, you, you tell these kids over and over, you, you, you can't take, uh, you know, don't even take your toothpaste into the tent with you because the bear might smell that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be really careful. And so then, uh, you know, you're getting ready for bed and, and you pack everything up and you, you hang the bear bag and you check, you know, nobody has any food, right? Everybody's good. And then everybody goes to bed. And then one night, 
I don't know, probably midnight. It's dark. I don't know if I had been to sleep yet. And so the uh, the counselors sleep in one tent. The kids sleep in another. You know, they're they're 20 yards away. And I hear, Pat! Pat! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what What's going on? I have a granola bar. I have a granola bar wrapper in my pocket. Scared out of his damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> Convinced that a bear is going to come and hey. I don't know, chew his leg off or something to get at the granola bar wrapper in his pocket. So, you know, I saved the day. I uh, I got the, got the granola bar and put it. I, I think I just threw it on the ground or something. I don't know. But I should say that on that same trip, that was the trip where we were laying in our tent uh, at one of these more populous campsites. And a bear just kind of came and sniffed all around our tent, you know, like inches from my head. Uh, they smell like trash and they're very loud. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it sniffed all around our, our tent and it kind of we could hear it walking around the campsite. Uh, but I'd done a good job of hanging the food, except when we got up in the morning I noticed that I had not hung the first aid kit and the bear had gotten into the first aid kit and it ate the cough drops and licked the sugar off of the Advil. That's a, that's a, that's a strong nose. It's, it's insane. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's wild, man. That's incredible. I'm, I'm glad to know that the, but I mean, but the bear, I mean, I don't know, maybe the bear had the sniffles, right though? Like maybe he just was like, I just need, just need something. That could be. He needs those Yeah, we didn't have any Vicks VapoRub in there or else maybe the bear would have been more interested in that. Yeah. I mean, was it Luden's cough drops? Because those are essentially candy. I can't believe that Luden's cough drops are marketed as any form of medicine. That is a, that is a cherry yeah, candy. Yeah, that's just a, a, a way. It, that's candy that someone wants you to be able to eat in school. Right. I mean, the history of medicine is a checkered one. So like <laughs> it being candy is like the right. least, like is the least thing it could be. Like yeah, hundred years ago, arsenic. it would have just been str- right. It just would have been like what you know, like diet pills in the seventies were just like straight speed right. basically. So uh, candy is fine. That's incredible. I've never had that close of an encounter with a, a large animal. My, my closest encounter with any form of wildlife uh, was a raccoon that walked through my tent we had like those canvas a-frame tents at at, like a scout camp Mm -hmm. and they and i was sleeping in a cot or something not not or something it was a cot and then just like walked it just like walked in one door and out the other just sort of like (laughs) use my tent as like a little through through thoroughfare and that was the closest i've ever gotten to any form of wildlife on a camping trip i've run into at least two rabid raccoons that I can remember. One. How did I you was, know they were rabid? Because they uh, they stop taking care of themselves. It's it's um, it's weird. Like you you see these. It, the first one I saw, I was pretty young, I think, uh, and it was kind of a, a young, small raccoon. But they just sort of like they stop grooming themselves, and so the hair is all like matted and gross, and they just sort of like amble and shamble around. Uh, and, and are, I mean, they're like obviously sick as hell. Um, all the and, other, I like the phrase, I like the phrase you used, like I, they stop taking care of themselves. Like, it's like all the other raccoons are looking like, oh man, Jerry's really living. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow, geez. you, you okay, man? Like you just, you just yeah. haven't, haven't been the same since you had that run in with that foaming dog. Right. It's either, it's either rabies uh, okay, or PTSD, so got, I guess. <laughs> right it's either a it's rabies or a bad breakup right uh, <laughs> um 
did uh okay so you saw two you've seen two on two different occasions rabid raccoons yeah one of them actually was outside of central high school really while i was in high school and i remember it being dark out and yeah and then this raccoon just sort of like i said ambled and shambled its way up to me uh you know, filthy, not, didn't really seem to know where it was. I can't even, I must have called animal control because surely I wouldn't have just walked away from a rabid raccoon in the middle of the city. But I don't remember how that situation resolved itself. Oh, man. Well, why do you ask about uh, run-ins with nature, my friend? Well, uh, we watched a couple episodes of the TV show Adventure Time because that's what we do before we talk about them on our podcast Podventure Time. And Mm -hmm. it struck me as I was watching the first episode, which is called In Your Footsteps, that uh, Finn has quite an interesting run-in with a big, furry piece of wildlife. Yeah. This whole episode revolves around Finn and Jake encountering a wild bear. And the bear becomes their friend and they start, uh, we'll discuss how the relationship develops because it takes an unexpected turn. But but the whole time is just, the whole episode is them and this bear and, and how they interact with each other. But I want to talk about the bear before we get into the episode because I think it's notable, or at least from uh, someone who doesn't watch the show that much, it seems notable that this bear isn't sentient. Yeah. Like it seems, it seems all the other animals. Well, it's it's not obviously sentient. Later, it sort of starts to show a level of intelligence that was surprising. But at least at the beginning, uh, I think it, it doesn't it, just walk up and be like, "Hey, what up, dudes?" Like a, a lot right. of and, other, and, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, uh, non-speaking creatures do in ooh. Right, and I think they the show the show sort of. Um, highlights that fact because when we first meet the bear jake is the first character to really meet the bear and jake just says hey jake's right. like hey man what's up and kind of expecting the bear to return in kind yeah and then even but the, when bear, the doesn't, bear doesn't they continue to treat the bear as if it is kind of just hanging out with them right so they meet the bear at a party uh where they are uh, they're doing a dance party with dancing uh, princess bubblegum yeah, Princess Bubblegum and the Candy Folk. And the bear is sort of a wanders in from the woods, basically, uh, attracted by the smell of snacks, theoretically. And the the first interactions are just Finn and Jake sort of like being enamored by the fact that a bear is there and like they feed him some food. Bad <laughs> he idea. chokes on some bad peanuts. Idea. They're going to come he back and on. eat your cough drops. Uh-huh. And do that. Sets a bad precedent. That's right. They give him peanuts. They give him peanuts and uh, he chokes on them. <laughs> and Finn gives him the Heimlich maneuver, which is where hilarious. Do th- where do you think Finn learned the Heimlich maneuver? Yeah, right? That's a, that's a, that's a piece of, of earth culture that is surprising that survived whatever cataclysm exists here. Um, but it... At what age I've always these found days the hi- do kids learn about the Heimlich maneuver? Like I, I don't remember really learning about it, except maybe in lifeguarding class in high school. But I knew what the Heimlich maneuver was well before that. Like, does does Dave know what the Heimlich maneuver is? That's interesting. I don't know. He's eight. I'm not sure what when he might learn that. It feels like it's something that it lends itself well to like cartoon. Uh, sort of depiction yes because it's kind of like 
So I think like you get exposed earlier than you think. It's very dramatic. Right. It is one of those things though where you – if the Heimlich maneuver feels super intuitive and I guess it's just because it's so permeated like everyone knows the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah. But it feels like the kind of thing that like even if Dr. Heimlich had never invented it, like it would have just be the thing that you do to solve the problem. But I guess it's not. Like I guess it's – like I, I want – what were people doing before the Heimlich maneuver? Right. It just feels super intuitive but I don't know. It's I guess where people just like shoving more food down, like oh, you gotta like push it, you gotta push it through. It's like <laughs> I, I imagine there was a lot of like back pounding, you know, because uh, uh-huh. that can, that can be useful, you know, if someone. Well, one thing I always remember actually, and and when people are choking in film and TV, I always think of it because it, they always mess this up. Is if someone is capable of making noise then you ought not do the Heimlich maneuver on them because if they're making noise, they're moving air. And so they don't need right. the Heimlich maneuver. And everybody who's choking ever in movies and TV always makes noise. And then people go and mm-hmm. give them the Heimlich maneuver. But uh, that always mildly mildly irritates me, of course. It's much more dramatic if you can make noise while you're choking as opposed to just sort of flailing your arms about. Yeah, it's a tough. It's tough for the television medium, which is a sound and sound and motion based uh, medium, to like depict someone being completely silent for a while. Uh, but you're right. That is, uh, it's similar with drowning. Drowning does not look as dramatic as it usually does depicted in TV shows and film. Drowning is much quieter and uh, much more subtle usually. Um, so. The bear chokes on peanuts. He eats them, by the way, uh, shell on, which is the way I eat peanuts, which I noted. <laughs> I don't know when, I don't know, I don't know how I learned this. I, I blame my grandfather, but like when I'm given a bag of peanuts, like at a baseball game, I eat all of it. Like I don't shell the peanut. Uh, and, People, I mean, in my head, I'm all, like, I even like sound like my grandfather in my head when I do it because in my head I'm like it's roughage. Like I just say the <laughs> word roughage to myself internally over and over again when I eat them. Uh, it's less messy it, that way. You don't leave a yeah. you know that that ugly pile at your feet that 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 uh, you know I would if I ate a whole bag of peanuts. Yep. Does it, and you does get, it uh, stop you up? Does it get you moving? I I don't know, man. <laughs> roughage, sure, but also like. You know, it, that seems like something that might just sort of exit your body in much the same form that it enters. I haven't ever really noted. Uh, <laughs> I haven't ever noted it, but uh, the next time you it comes up, I'll... like I'll... peanut butter slurry going into your intestines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that aside, I... I noted... Well, I just noted that the bear ate peanuts the correct way, which is <laughs> shell on. Um... After that, though, uh, the the act of the, the the saving act of the of that Finn delivers um, sort of bonds him. It seems with the bear. The bear seems yeah. like particularly enamored with Finn, and follows them home that evening. And Finn and Jake think it's pretty cute uh, that it's happening. Uh, the bear, the bear is. It seems smarter, uh, I'm going to say it, smarter than your average bear. Right. Um, it, because the bear quickly starts mimicking Finn yeah. in, ways that, in ways that a bear really wouldn't. 
Uh, so there is a level of intelligence, even though he's not just talking like Jake, he certainly has a level of intelligence. He starts mimicking Finn, his mannerisms. Uh, it's little stuff at first. Um, yeah, you know, this this whole thing kind of reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia, where in Narnia, mm. of course, all the animals talk. But I remember there's a scene, and I, I think it's one the Pevensey kids encounter like a non-talking bear in Narnia and it almost like bites their head off because they just like walk up to it being like, what's up? Um, and, yep. and Ooh is, is it, it seems to be like that as well, except Ooh just seems like if the animal needs to talk, then it does. <laughs> uh, and right. if it's, if it needs to learn how to imitate Finn, well then it doesn't talk at first, but it, it learns how to, to talk after, hanging out with Finn. It makes you wonder whether all of the talking animals learned it from a, uh, a human or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it, I did feel like this episode was, it wasn't world building, but just like it increased the menagerie of creatures that yeah. exist. It sort of like expanded my mind as to like who exists in this world. But the, the, the progression of the episode follows generally this arc um the bear starts mimicking finn more and more which delights finn who doesn't like having a fan right the most sincere form of flattery right it irks and um makes jake uneasy though yeah he's a little frightened a little suspicious a little jealous too right. i think at first and this um, is like a classic a kind of you know a, a new person gets uh you know, introduced to the group and one person really likes them and one person, you know, gives them the stink eye and is jealous and suspicious and thinks they're here for the wrong reason. And then, of course, it causes conflict between our two heroes. Exactly. So we have we've got a new ingredient in the in, on the team. Jake is suspicious and but is is trying his best to not be. I think Finn is. Finn is doing his best to assuage Jake's fears, but it escalates. Finn's also it continues to escalate. nonchalant about the whole thing. Like, you know, as Finn, I suppose, always would be. You know, oh, whatever, Jake. You know, don't worry about it, man. He's just, he's just, mm -hmm. he thinks I'm cool. Yeah, and I think uh, there's a moment where I think there's a part where where Jake Jake thinks that Finn doesn't believe him, but then Finn actually corrects him and says, like, no, I believe you. Like, I agree, or I believe that he the bear is mimicking me right. when i'm not looking but who cares like yeah he's just mimicking me who who's who is that hurting it's it's funny and it's fine like just let him be him and so there is a logic to that that's like yeah like who is he hurting so uh but it continues to escalate and there's some great moments though so i, I don't want to gloss over this like a like we're uh, but i think my uh my favorite, my favorite part of the whole episode is after the bear has spent the night with Jake and Finn in their treehouse and has really started to mimic Finn, like to the point where he can mimic words and phrases. Like he's not articulate yet, but he yeah. can, he, he can be like, he's like a parrot and he can kind of parrot back phrases. And he also uh, seems <laughs> to think that like an essential part of Finn's character is snapping. 
when he's practicing yeah. at night, he's he he's sort of like saying Finn's phrases, but then he's like snapping his fingers in between, which I've never noticed yep. Finn doing, and I couldn't figure out how the bear got the idea that like snapping was Finn's thing. Oh, well, it happens at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, the intro, when Finn and Jake... The, Finn and Jake enter the whole episode skydiving with with Jake acting as the backpack or, or the parachute. Right. Uh, with his stretchy powers. And then Finn does like a tuck and roll after the landing. And then he does a few snaps and like... Okay, in, that's right. Kind of to impress PB. So like it was his intro or his entrance. So that's where the bear... The bear clearly saw the entrance. Um but that's where he got it. But you're right. It is. It's hilarious. Um, it, you know, it is but I just creepy l- as the bear, you know, in the middle of the night is dressed up like Finn at this point. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, you know, Jake, Jake kind of over uh, overseas. That's not the word. Jake sort of witnesses this happening. He, he kind of eavesdrops. Right. Uh, and, right. you know, the the bear isn't just kind of going like, oh, man, Finn's really cool. Where can I get one of those hats? It's doing like a creepy, yeah. like practicing how to behave oh, yeah. like Finn thing. Yeah, it's it's verging on talented Mr. Ripley or right. uh, uh, that kind of that kind of vibe. It is, it's, it's verging on full on uh, identity theft. So Jake, I think Jake is not unfounded in his worry. It's definitely the kind of move that it, it's it, it looks like the bear is giving up his own personality to just absorb finn's personality and that that never that never comes off as like particularly healthy (laughs) um so uh but in the morning after the bear has spent the night and the finn is explaining to jake that like hey he's got nothing to worry about and the bear the bear's cool he just parrots some of the things he's saying and like the whole time the bear is just about a half second behind Finn saying yeah. exactly the same thing and wearing all of Finn's clothes. Oh man, I loved it. It was so good. Just like in in like a weird stereo, the two of them are both talking to Jake. It is right. not doing anything to it is not doing anything to like make Jake feel better about it because it's so odd. But well, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like you know Finn is saying, "Hey, everything. This is totally normal," and the bear is really undercutting that by. Uh, <laughs> doing literally everything that Finn does in a very creepy way. Undercut, undercutting it is the right word, right? Um, so that's sort of the middle of the episode. The escalation at the end is Finn heads out to pick up Bimo from soccer, which is adorable that Bimo has so, soccer so soccer practice. Cute when Bimo is sitting in in his little soccer outfit while Finn and Jake bicker, mm-hmm. and they show Bimo uh-huh. like just sitting there sadly, like rolling the soccer ball back and forth to himself. Uh huh. Yep. When mommy oh, man. and daddy like, are was, fighting, that is such a it's such a joke that was not for the te- the ten year olds right. of the audience. Like, uh, yeah. So, uh. The escalation is that they find out that the bear has invited all of Finn's friends to a party in the woods at night. Which it is billing um, as a party that Finn is throwing. Right. He is the the bear is acting as if he's he's trying to be Finn and host a party as Finn. And so this is the part this is the moment where Finn starts to realize like mm, this has gone further than he expected. Yeah, like and the bear's fucking with my yeah. social reputation now. 
Exactly. So they seek out this party in the woods and they find it. It's pretty easy. It's another dancing party, similar to the one we opened on. Um, and the bear is there wearing Finn's clothes and wearing a Finn mask, a very crude Finn mask. But the show has already established that crude, crude disguises such as paper plate masks are uh, completely acceptable and, and convincing. Yes. Right. So um, he's wearing a, wear- a very, like a, a, a mask tied on with string of like a fin face around his bare head. Um, and they're dancing. He's dancing with P- uh, PB and he's dancing with all the, all the candy people. And I think Jake even says like, you going to let this slide, man. Like yeah. he's dancing with your ex-girlfriend. And, and Jake, I, I love, uh, or Jake said that. And then Finn, Finn's reaction of, I, I mean, she's not my, I, whatever. Right. Like we didn't go steady. <laughs> like he like can't, he doesn't want to deal with it and he can't really even get into it. He's, it's still confusing for him. Absolutely. Yeah. He has, yeah. He, uh, he knows that what Jake has said doesn't quite sound right, but he also can't just be like, what? You know, PB and me never had, had a thing. So yeah, it's just, right. just a very confusing, uh, sort of, uh, label for, for Finn. Mm-hmm. So Finn at this point decides action must be taken. So he runs up and rips the mask off the bear. And basically, and chastises him, said, hey, man, you can't just be do you can't be pretending to be me. You got to like, this isn't cool. The bear tears up. It's adorable. It's it's so heartbreaking that the bear just like wells up with tears and runs off. I just wanted to be like you. I wanted to be your friend. Right. And all of the candy people kind of like look at Finn like, what are you doing? And, and PB even says like, hey, we knew the bear right. wasn't you. We just we just thought this was like a funny joke or something. And at this point, Finn and Jake feel pretty bad because they realize uh, they've both been maybe overreacting to this uh, in a way that was uh, uncalled for. So they they seek out, they they chase after the bear into the woods, try to make amends, and they they catch him and calm him down. And he explained the bear, who now can speak basically kind of like a broken English, basically. Yeah, the Scooby-Doo, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it is a Scooby-Doo kind of uh, speaking. And he he just says, I just wanted to be a cool hero like you. Like, you're super awesome. I want to be a hero. And that hits right. That hits Finn in all the all the right places, all the feels. I don't know if. Yeah, I think the bear did its research in terms of pushing Finn's buttons. And Finn... Finn decides, okay, uh, I think partly to make amends, but also because he sees a kindred spirit in the bear. He says, okay, if you want to be a hero, here's what you need. And he takes out of his backpack the most cherished book of all heroes, the Enchiridion, which Finn spent a large part of season one seeking out. Yes. Um, and it is it is the mythical book of heroes, yeah, how like to be a hero. handbook, kind of. Right, right. One of those mythical tomes. And he gives it to the bear and says, read this. And it's got everything you need in it to learn how to be a hero. And Jake's astonished. Jake's against the idea. Jake's like, no, you can't give away that book. It's too important. And Finn, Finn says, no, man, this is, uh, this is what's meant to be. Yeah, so he gives Finn it to the bear. Says, you know, we don't, we don't really use it. Like I think he says, we just sit on it when the ground is wet. Uh, right. And, and, you know, I think that Finn remembers getting the book 
And, you know, I, I think that it, it wasn't the beginning of his hero's journey, but it may have been sort of a legitimization of his hero's journey. And so I think you're right. It's partly to make amends, but I also think that Finn is enjoying getting to sort of be the, the mentor hero um, mm-hmm. and, and really does believe and want the bear to become the best hero the bear can be. And part of that is therefore reading the Enchiridion. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible that part of the uh, the hero's journey is to uh, pass on knowledge to someone else. Right. And so uh, it may be all all uh, all written down in the Enchiridion. Yeah, I guess if, if one person always keeps the Enchiridion, there can't be more than one hero. That's right. So uh, also, I just I, you know, good writing on the st- on the on the show staff to really make it uh, make it clear that this Enchiridion was was just a MacGuffin and. They're gonna treat it as worthless after, like they're just like, nah, we're just gonna give it away. It's <laughs> I think that's that's hilarious. Uh, treat it as the MacGuffin it was, and but then the bear takes it at the very but end then, of the episode. Twist in a M Night Shyamalan like twist ending. Uh, the bear rides across. Ooh, I don't know. They don't it, it, unclear how far the bear travels. But with the ba- with the book, climbs the highest mountain, and arrives in the mouth of a cave. At which point, a ominous voice says, "Did you get the book?" And the bear holds it up, and then, <laughs> crawling out of the shadows, is a snail. Yeah, and I have no idea what that is. Okay, is is. The- is that a character we've seen before? Yes. So there, literally, the snail appears in every single episode. Uh, usually, just for like a second or two in the background of a scene, and usually the snail is looking at the camera and waving. I've located it in like a handful of episodes. Sometimes I see it and then forget about it. But there was one. Because... There was one where the snail was like in Jake's violin or something like that. Was that, there, no, was that, that was Shelby, the worm who had a party inside of Jake's oh. viola. Um, or wait, oh, okay. wait, no, that's a later episode that I'm thinking of. I don't know. In any case. Um, so we have seen, we have seen the snail before. Like I said, it's in every, uh, every episode, at least in the background, but then in season, it was probably season one. I don't know. Whenever they were, uh, they were fighting the lich, the snail, because it's in every scene, uh, they went to fight the lich and PB gave them some kind of protection so that the lich couldn't like take over their brains. But then the lich, they didn't know that the snail was with them. And so the lich took over the snail's brain. And that was like how the lich is- escaped. Like the, the snail went over and kind of busted it out of its like crystal prison or whatever. So I presume that this snail is the lich effectively or at least it's being controlled by the lich uh because we have seen this snail under the the lich's influence before so it seems like this is uh yeah it's it's i'm gonna assume it's the same snail still up to no good the return of the big bad evil guy different form you can't can't just kill the the big bad evil guy once it's always going to come back. Yeah. Got it. So here we are, season yes. four. The lich is still on the table, at least according to the last five seconds of this episode. Wow, what a what a what a what a reveal that didn't land with me at all. I just read that as like goofy, like oh, it's an evil snail. 
like of whatever. And honestly, but, I don't remember whether the Lich having the Enchiridion becomes an important plot point. I assume because I don't remember it that it doesn't. Uh, it uh-huh. may be just as irrelevant as it appeared, uh, but okay, that is the Lich Snail. I, I can say that. The Lich Snail. Well, that's how the episode ends on a on a very uh, enigmatic but dramatic cliffhanger. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the lesson that we were supposed to learn about like, hey, man, just give the bear a chance. You know, he's just kind of mm-hmm. trying to be a hero is then completely undercut by the fact that it seems that the bear was running a running a scam on him the entire in time. In cahoots. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows, though? Let's not judge the bear. Maybe, you know, maybe the bear has to work for the lich because the lich has the bear's, the bear's family. family held hostage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's got to be Fucking it. Fucking we'll, Goldilocks probably turned him in. Right. So we move on, I think, to episode two in our discussion this evening. Yeah. It's another uh, episode that involves a large furry creature. In fact, a couple of them. Uh, this one is called right. Hug Wolf. This is another episode that... That was my theme takeaway for these two episodes is that both of them sort of did the work of expanding the creature list that exists in Ooh. Um, Two new creature types. Uh, We met a a standard bear, a a standard but smarter than the average bear. And then in this episode, we meet the hug wolves, which we meet pretty early on in the episode, but not quite immediately. The, The episode opens... Uh, on a, it's a, I don't know, a hot open, a cold open. I'm not sure what they're called, but uh, middle of the action, hot start. We'll in call media it a hot res. Start. There it is. The hot, the the hot start is the boys are going to take on an evil tree, a tree that has evil spores. Yeah, and it's, it's going to got an evil face. Spores across ooh if they don't uh, take care of it. So they got to burn it down. They're they're in mid mid adventure when we join them, but there's an immediate complication because as they head to burn this evil tree, a giant, what appears to be werewolf, leaps out of the woods and starts attacking Finn. But there's a quickly it's quickly clear that there are some distinguishing factors of this particular uh, lycanthrope that are uh, not part of your average werewolf fare. So the number one uh, item being that its hands and feet are just furry hearts that are right. plush and like cuddly. The hug wolf uh, seems their only goal seems to be hugging Finn and not injuring Finn. And uh, so I guess in like they kind of assess like, all right, this isn't that big of a problem. So Jake goes and takes care of the big tree by just lighting it on fire. Yeah, and the it's, hug wolf it's, it's a gets cool a good moment, I think, kind of where, like, Jake is, he's towards the tree, but he's turning back because Finn seems to be in trouble, and he doesn't quite know whether he needs to go back and, and save his buddy or go burn down the tree, which is the whole reason they came here. But then Finn is just kind of like, yeah, like, just hugging me. You can go ahead and burn down me. the tree, I guess. Like, everybody's just kind of confused, you know. I guess right. we don't need to fight because I'm just getting a hug. <laughs> yeah, I think there's an exchange where it's like, Finn, is he hurting you? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, he's just hugging me gently. <laughs> um, so they take care of the tree. Jake does. Uh, the hug wolf runs off after having hugged Finn. And they kind of, uh, they give a, they give each other high fives. Like, you know, all right, that Mission was weird, but job well, d- job well done. Right. Let's head home. 
But upon heading home, upon getting home, something is definitely not all right because there's something strange going on with Finn. I guess I'm just and feeling affectionate. Right. He and he's feeling very affectionate towards Bimo. Yeah, I think Bimo is the first hug victim at home. Right. Yeah. Uh and Bimo is uncomfortable. There is a How long would you say uh, how long of a hug in seconds do you would after like a certain number of seconds are you like mm, this is now too long of a hug what's your what do you think your limit's at and i'm sure it's Ugh. different for different t- I'm sure it's different for different relationships you have but like yeah. in general yeah you know it's it certainly there there are there are people who you know that i would probably let get away with a pretty long hug uh but but most of you jerks in the world um if we're hugging at all it's going to be a couple pats. You know, it's going to be wrap around, pat, pat, we're done. We're out. Uh-huh. If, if yeah. we're doing any, you know, if, if, the, if there's a squeeze, I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I want to squeeze. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't want your hands, I certainly don't want your hands locked. You know, that's illegal in wrestling. And I think it's illegal when you're hugging me too. Don't, don't you dare lock your hands behind my back or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I, I think unless it's, it's, uh, someone with special hug privileges, it's, it's pretty well in and out before I, I, I get upset. I, I think, I think most would agree with you. I don't think that, I think that hugs, hugs are a special form of, uh, connection that I think are pretty reserved for yeah. special, uh, relationships in your life. Uh, closer relationships. Otherwise, you're right. I think people in general do the, and I don't want to speak for everybody. Everyone's got different comfort levels, but I think the the quick hug with the double pat on the back, which is which lets everybody know that uh, <laughs> it's it's a little bit of like uh, it's a little bit of cuddling combined with just a hint of violence to let you know that it is uh, <laughs> that we're not <laughs> we're not super friendly yet. Right. Um, Although I, I will say you have to you have to make the determination before you go in whether you're going to do a one hand reach around and pat or a two hand reach around mm-hmm. and pat because those are very different hugs. That's true. You're right. Uh, have you ever had like the the moment whether it's a hug or or a different kind of like social connection where like one person was not on the same page with like what level of connection was going to happen? Yeah, and you know I was going to say actually uh, COVID has really changed the hugging game. You know, uh, we, uh, we saw some friends that we hadn't seen in quite a while uh, this, this most recent weekend, and they're hugging. They're hugging, folks, you know. Uh, uh-huh. At least a couple pats for these people. But not right now. Uh, we all kind of just sort of awkwardly walked up to each other with our hands, <laughs> you know, maybe like yeah. a little extended to our sides and then like smiled and, you know kind of like everyone, leaned in but every- then like extend one hand so you can give them the the opportunity to shake your hand if they want to and and nobody yeah. knows exactly you know like we're all vaccinated and that's why we feel like it's safe to be around each other but you know i'm not sure that i want to put my mouth next to your mouth everyone's doing like weird like i don't know circus clown pantomiming with each other like <laughs> right. sort of waddling they're like waddling up to each other everyone's doing it it's wild See, and like, i think that i would be fine if we just stayed with the uh, you know it, what we have to do we we have to cut out the awkwardness of like acting like we're going to hug let's just you know what covid 
and uh-huh. and for now uh-huh. on into the future we're just not hugging you know uh, unless it's a very special relationship we're just not going to do the 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 one arm two pat hug because okay you know it doesn't mean that much i only did it because it was like sort of socially acceptable and now we have right. this opportunity to be like let's just fist bump we don't need right. we don't need to hug everybody anymore my uh my children are enamored with the phenomenon that can occur when someone one person goes in for the fist bump and the other person goes in for the handshake and you end <laughs> up with the the, the doorknob right <laughs> and uh my kids think that's the funniest thing in the whole darn world both my sister and i have fist bumped president obama like simultaneously like no at, at separate gave, he, rallies oh, oh, okay. in fact uh it oh, was okay. shortly it was <laughs> shortly after fox news wondered when uh he fist bumped his wife whether it was a terrorist fist jab <laughs> and so we were <laughs> everyone was making a point of fist bumping obama during uh the uh, it must have been the 08 campaign <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh well congrats i don't think i've i've not fist bumped any presidential uh candidates or elected presidents um, probably, have you shaken bill clinton's hand he came to davenport at least twice while we were growing up he came to our high school nah. and watched our jazz band Nah, i didn't uh i was probably too afraid i remember <laughs> though i think when i think al gore showed up at our high school once too yeah um and all I remember from that encounter was the Secret Service agents that, you know, kind of walk yeah. around. And I think, yeah, the band played and we were in the gymnasium and then Gore's up there making his speech about whatever he's there to talk about. And I didn't care. I was a dumb high school kid. Um, but I was in, I was fascinated with the Secret Service and like, you know, where are they? Which, pe- you know, like I want to see where they're all stationed. What are they watching? Mm-hmm. Like just all that and I just remember watching this one Secret Service agent standing there motionless, uh, observing, doing his job. And a bee was buzzing around him, just buzzing around his head. And with very little movement, the Secret Service agent just like reached up near his face and just closed his hand around the bee. <laughs> and then and then just lowered his hand slowly and then opened his hand and a dead bee dropped out. And I just remember being like, that is the dopest thing i have ever seen <laughs> that dude is so hardcore <laughs> yeah that's uh that's that pretty power move that's pretty tough yeah yeah <laughs> um where were we oh we, hugging we uh, um I, I, we got a lot of important presidential type folks mm-hmm. in the quad cities davenport iowa where we grew up uh i think because it it's a it's a pretty small medium market, but it's close enough to Chicago that you can get coverage in Chicago by coming to the Quad Cities, and you can get coverage yeah. in the rest of Iowa, uh, which of course, fingers crossed, no more. But for however many years had the first in the nation uh, primaries. But I Bill Clinton came to Davenport in 1992. My mom tells this story. Um, and I remember being, we were in the village of East Davenport and he was kind of going down a line, you know, like walking in a parade or something, going down a line, shaking mm-hmm. hands. And we were Pressing up front. Pressing the flesh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We were up front. And so I was, you know, probably nine years old, which would mean my sister's six years old. And, and we're right up front. And so Bill Clinton comes up and I shook his hand and then, uh, you know, and our parents are standing behind us. And then Bill Clinton kind of 
bends down and, and does his whole, you know, Southern Bubba charm, like puts his finger under mm-hmm. my sister's chin and, oh, you know, aren't you just the, the cutest thing? And my mom swears that my dad, who at that point was, you know, died in the wool Republican, voted for Bill Clinton because of how he treated his daughter. <laughs> wow. I don't know works. whether that's true. I don't know whether that's true. But yes, that is that would be very good evidence of retail politics actually working. Fantastic. I, uh, you're right that, uh, we get a lot, uh, well, our hometown would get a lot of candidates. Um, also pretty, well, locally famously was, uh, I'm going to forget what the year was, but I believe it was, it must've been, uh, who was, who was Dole running against? That was Clinton in 96. Clinton in 96. I think it was that or the next election. I can't remember which one. But both the Republican and the Democratic candidate were in town on the same day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was, you know, all the local police force was basically like called into service to kind of like be crowd control and and at both of these rallies or whatever was happening. And I remember on that day, uh, some crew of dudes went around and robbed four banks (laughs) On that day, because there was like <laughs> Hell yeah. no police, there was like no police response available, uh, and they uh, they got caught eventually. It wasn't they didn't. It was a well intentioned or well thought out. They they thought at the beginning of it pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it was a, it was a moment of end. inspiration, not necessarily followed up by you know execution. Right. I, eventually, they were caught, but I I just remember thinking like, I mean, I got to give it to them. That's clever. I mean, like you yeah. know, like. That's a that's, that's well thought out at least for a little bit. All right, so uh, back to hugging and hugging wolves. Um, yeah, Finn, Finn's Finn's huggy. He he can't stop hugging. Right, right. He has uh, is pretty clear. the The episode makes it quite clear. He's caught the hug. He, he's he's got the hug virus or whatever. He's uh, similar to being bitten by a werewolf. He has uh, he is now a hug wolf of some kind. Uh, Jake figures it out pretty quickly, if I recall. Um, yeah, they go to the library but, and, and Jake finds mm-hmm. hug wolf in the, in, in a, you know, one of those ancient tomes. Sure. In the occult section. Um, Finn goes through a couple evenings of sort of the, like the classic doesn't know how he got, doesn't know how he ended up where he ended up. Right. And doesn't have a memory of the night before, but all these people, well, candy people, uh, cinnamon bun comes (laughs) up and is like, you, you hugged me. And my, (laughs) it's like, my love handles are still sore because you hugged me too hard. Uh, and, and Finn, (laughs) Finn can't believe that, that he would Mm -hmm. have hugged cinnamon bun because, and it, and it, 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 after cinnamon bun kind of accuses him, I think Finn maybe kind of admits that he did it, but he said, I don't know why I did it. And don't you say that it's because I have emotional feelings for cinnamon bun. <laughs> right. That is not what uh, this is about. So uh, Jake's like, I, we got to solve this problem because we can't have you hugging people uh, all the time. So they go to the occult section of the library. Jake finds the answer. Did you notice the candelabra in the occult section of the library and what not. it looked like? It was... There was in the background sort of like a um, man. It was like a piece of armor, basically, that had been turned into uh, a candelabra or a candle holder. But the piece of armor was like clearly fit and designed to fit um, tree trunks. <laughs> so it was like it's like a full. 
it almost looked like an S&M suit, <laughs> but it was like steel, basically. Yeah, maybe. You know uh, what? Tree yeah. trunks, you know. Tree trunks, tree trunks doesn't, yeah, tree trunks what, doesn't what kink shame, uses, that's for sure. She has implements, yeah. I'm sure, and it, it's not up to us to decide how she uses them. Right. Uh, well, this was in the library holding a candle, and I don't know uh, what's going on, but it was uh, is hilarious to me. And so they they find out that there's no known cure to the hug wolf virus disease, whatever he's got. The curse, I guess, is the yeah. right phrase. So they do some pretty standard uh, moves that I think you would see in most werewolf movies, where the first move is to just chain down Finn uh, so that when the transformation occurs, he can be he can be controlled, and he it doesn't work. He bursts through the chains. Uh, when he transforms, yeah, he and becomes this time he significantly tra- larger uh, when he transforms yeah. into a wolf. Yeah, he goes full full Hulk wolf and is uncontrollable. He's uh, he just ram- rampages through the valley, hugging people. Um, he he goes into the home of a candy person, a candy teenager, <laughs> and is about to hug this candy teenager in their bed. When the when the father bursts in with a shotgun and is like, "Don't you touch my daughter? She'll never and, marry." Yeah, but the can, the shotgun is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's a candy cane, but like all the sound effects are just him with his mouth. He's going like, <laughs> and then like when it fires, it's like that's all. And but it's really firing. Yeah, it does. Candy it does bullets. fire projectiles. Oh man, it's like very Monty Python, um, <laughs> sound effect wise. But I loved it. Just when he's going to cock it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but Finn, he's uncontrollable. They they can't. They the all they can do is let the the evening run its course, uh, and then the full moon goes down, and and they find him, you know, in tattered clothes by the by the creek bed basically i uh um, i i really i have to say i really enjoyed that while finn was a hug wolf he was sort of like a bro hug wolf uh like when he when he first transforms he walks up to to jake and bemo and is like bring it in here guys <laughs> and then he, he, he says other like sort of like bro hug things to to other people as he's like you know running around trying to find people to hug yeah the the townspeople are not are not enamored. They uh, they are in full sort of mob pitchfork mode. Right, right. And so Finn, they're, they're Finn like, wakes up in a stream, you know, with tattered yeah. clothing. Uh, classic, yep. you know, werewolf morning after situation. And then, yeah. Exactly. The, the candy townspeople, a large group of them, uh, it appears that Finn has um, hugged each of them at some point against their will. Um, and I, I right. th- my favorite part of either episode happens shortly here, uh, where the the mob is sort of um, they've decided that they're going to do something about this, and so they're they're walking away, going no more hugs, no more hugs, and then right at the end of right before we f- switch away from that scene, there's one voice that goes without consent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's be Which clear. Is a very valid point. We don't want to. We don't right. want to ban all hugs. We just want yeah. the ones without consent. And it's it's it, it comes in in just sort of this like, you know, offhand throwaway way where I think, you know, if if it's a kid who hears that and, you know, consent doesn't mean much, you know, to them, they wouldn't even notice. But, you know, I hear that and it's like, yeah, man, 
like let's let's teach our kids about consent and and you right know, absolutely like hugs are fine as long as you have consent i love that little voice that just came in and reminded us all of that yeah um finn is uh finn kind of falls on his sword on this one though he he sort of he says you know i i'm sworn to protect you all but if i'm the danger then you need to lock me away you know he's right. like so he he voluntarily is locked in the candy dungeon for the night and jake rallies the mob to go find the alpha hug wolf the one that hugged finn in the first place because they figure if they can destroy that hug wolf then maybe that will break the curse yeah it's kind of so, a kill the head vampire type theory oh yeah yep classic guaranteed to work so they they head out on on their mob hunt they leave cinnamon bun to guard the cell you know <laughs> cinnamon the- bun is reluctant yeah, the the candy people they just they really give cinnamon bun too much responsibility and they do it again and again and he never uh-huh. lives up to it well and i think he's even aware of his own limitations he wasn't yeah. super comfortable with right. them leaving him and him in charge he's like are you really like all right <laughs> um so even cinnamon bun thinks this isn't the best of ideas so uh so then you sort of have two Two storylines happening, an A and B plot going on. Uh, the mob is hunting the, the the alpha hug wolf while Finn is stuck in prison and the full moon comes out and he transforms. And now he is he's sort of cajoling and, and uh, persuading Cinnamon Bun to let him out of jail. And it doesn't take much. Cinnamon Bun is overwhelmed. He seems, yeah, he seems quickly. fairly desperate for a hug. <laughs> right. So he lets Finn out. Uh, and Finn gives him a big old squeeze and then, you know, runs off into the night. Finn explodes out of the jail cell in a way that to me looked exactly like Hobbes greeting Calvin at the front door when Calvin comes home. Very true. Yeah, you're right. That is a good call. That's a good one. I, uh, I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It's exactly that drawing style. And it's, and it's very similar too. like, you know, Hobbes of course is getting a kick out of like busting Calvin in his face, but also he's happy to see him and is giving him a hug. Really? Like, I, I think it's right. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think to be fully, fully Calvin and Hobbes, they would have had to like do a series of somersaults or something. Uh, yeah. And cinnamon bun would have to have, you know, school papers to throw in the air or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so Finn is out quickly. Uh, the mob has found, finds the, the alpha hug wolf in the woods and, start battling with it jake mostly but they get over they get overpowered quickly and it becomes clear that the mob is about to get attacked by the hug wolf which is bad news but then finn shows up and finn is now battling uh as a beta hug wolf i think they describe him at some point uh the the beta hug wolf is fighting the alpha hug wolf and fight is a interesting term here because they are definitely just like seeing who can hug each other harder yeah, um, it's it's like uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, or you know, it's yep. like a some sort of new form of like extremely limited judo, where you're right. only allowed the only allowed move is is a bear hug, or I suppose a wolf hug. Right, um, but something starts happening, uh, and they they denote it in the animation with like as both of these powerful hug beasts are uh, grappling each other, like hearts start to kind of fly off of them, like magically. And Jake announced, Jake even says something like, 
this is the most powerful hug that has ever existed right. or something like that. Big hug energy. And big hug energy, right? <laughs> uh they they uh it it goes back and forth with who's a hugger and who's the huggy, but eventually I think Finn gets the upper hand and delivers the a, a hug to end all hugs because it releases a wave of energy that releases both creatures from yeah, the curse. Yeah, he sort of so starts they, the uh, the hug fission chain reaction. Right. They literally he literally uh, they hug it out in terms of the curse. Right. The, the curse is out. He they hug it out. They and and what is left behind is both uh, people. Uh, well, Finn's a human, and the other is a bipedal humanoid yeah, woman, uh, or, or person yeah. with big eyes. Right. Um, and Finn is. They're both exhausted from having transformed this way, but the curse is broken, and everyone's happy. Um, and there's a but the it again like this episode ends as weird and abruptly as sort of the first one we talked about yeah, did like yeah they do but, this a lot this one feels less meaningful than than the previous one just because I think it's because I recognized the the uh, the snail as the lich's snail uh, but yeah right but we do we do get a, a little uh, reminder of of the the evil that exists in Ooh at the end of this episode yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what's left after the Alpha Hug Wolf transforms back into their original form is is what appears to be, uh, well, I, I can't gender them, but uh, seemingly female or presenting as female humanoid creature who seems quite docile and, and kind um, and is drawn sort of, uh, I think, meant to be looking like beautiful. She's got Finn. kind of a sexy cavewoman outfit on. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Finn's tatters. She's kind of got a, a, a sexy little tatter going on. Right. And, it, you know, there's like a brief moment where it's like, oh, like, is this a new love interest for Finn or what is going to come out of this? But then the show completely just like pulls the rug out from under that because in the last, I don't know, half second of the episode, she just transforms into the evil tree at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. As, as Jake is walking up and saying, hey, can I get a hug? You know, Jake is kind of already... Uh, transitioning into the uh, the 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 beautiful woman stage of of the mm-hmm. of the plot, but yeah, she's not yeah. gonna have it because when he goes and asks for a hug, all of a sudden it's revealed or that it's revealed that she is or uh, is one of these these evil trees, uh, and yeah, we get right. a flash of it for a half a second and then episode over. Right. So twist ending, she's an evil tree. I agree with you that it's probably inconsequential and it's more of just like a, a throwaway gag at the end of the show. But uh, so we, we've we learned, we with both of these episodes, we learn about a few more creatures that exist in Ooh. I would say for both of these, like I, I gave these like C pluses or like meh. Like I thought the bear was actually pretty funny. And like there are some, I, I, I enjoyed that one more, I think, than the Hug Wolf episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, C plus B kind of episodes, they were like pretty good, pretty funny, mm-hmm. but uh, neither of them like had any like real meat to them. Yeah. Just fun, fluffy ones. Yeah. Neither of which these, is okay every now neither of these would be like, you know, hey, let's go. I want to show you Adventure Time. These these episodes right. would, would not come up. They're fine. Right. You're right. They're fine. I, I enjoy watching them, but um, 
they're yeah they're just kind of throwaway side quests yeah uh so in general uh enjoyable time watching these two episodes uh i'm glad you explained the lich thing to me i wouldn't have got i wouldn't <laughs> have remembered that so uh we'll look on we'll we'll be on the lookout for lich snail in the coming episodes perhaps um and other than that i think uh i think i've covered everything we've covered everything we need to say about these i i can't think of anything else that i need to say except things like Thank you to Will Yates for our intro and outro music. Uh, that song is called Date Night, and it's from his EP, I Know the Feeling. You can go uh, to willyates.bandcamp.com to pay what you want for various electronic compositions by my good friend, Will. So thank you, Will. And, uh, you know, we, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're at PodVentureTime. Ben, we're on Facebook, too. We're on Facebook at the Treehouse Treasure Room. Chum, join us there. It's where we kind of uh, drop a little in, uh, things here and there, just kind of uh, thoughts we've had on episodes and things like that. But we always love to hear from you if you want to participate or, or send us a line there. We're also on Gmail. You can get us at podventuretime at gmail.com. Correct. Feel free to send us a line. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure what our next two episodes are, um, but I'm sure that we're going to enjoy them. I know for sure that we're going to talk about them on our next episode of Podventure Time. But of course, until then, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Is this an extra butt?